0: What community sounds like? Stay open. Hello, friends and fellow craft beer drinkers, and welcome to another episode of Tap the Craft Podcast. My name is Denny Luce, and with me, as always, is the home brew engineer and, of course, soon-to-be master brewer, John Ream. How are you doing tonight, John?
1: Man, I am tired. I'm in a <laughs> whirlwind. I'm <laughs> <laughs> trying to wrap up everything in Seattle here, get on the road this weekend. Uh, yeah, it's it's been crazy, but yeah. I get to stop and talk beer and drink beer, so... yeah. Yeah, you, That's not bad.
0: You need a break. You need a break from all the stuff going on in your lives. I need a break, too. So we both need breaks, and hey, what better way of taking a break than you and I getting together and chatting about beer, because we both love beer. So, it's a win-win. And we get to drink beer. So Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Alright then, well hey, you know what, let's fill everyone in. Anyone that's new to Tap the Craft, let's let them know what we're all about. So, uh, Tap the Craft Podcast is an educational podcast. We are focused around celebrating all things craft beer, and we want to help people along in their craft <laughs> craft beer journey. And I'm already tongue-tied, and we just started, like, one minute. So this should be an interesting show. Uh, maybe a, a few bloopers at the end for you guys to laugh at us, as, or laugh at me at least, because... Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely me. But all right. Well, hey, you know what? This is episode seventy-one, and we are recording a little bit early this this uh, week because, like John already alluded to, he will be traveling across the country to make his trek to Columbus, Ohio, so he can start opening that brewery as soon as possible. So we're recording on Wednesday, April fifth, two thousand seventeen, and in this episode, John and I are going to be discussing the American barley wine style guidelines as well as having tasting notes segment with the sierra nevada bigfoot barley wine the 2017 version of the barley wine so if you haven't gone out and grabbed a bottle of this yet hey go out right now while you're listening because we're going to have at least uh, you know 45 minutes before we get to that segment and uh, go grab a bottle listen to us while you drive to the store pick it up and then you'll be ready to drink it with us in about 45 minutes and we are going to dive further into the new brewery startup topic with a discussion on the brewing system that is going to be installed in Trek Brewing, as well as a refresher on the components that are required for the brewing process. So before we talk about John's new toy, his brewing system, we need to go ahead and kind of give a refresher to everyone on what is involved in a commercial brewery system. So we'll give you a little overview of that. As well as tons of great beer conversation between John and I. So be prepared to laugh at us and with us because we like to laugh. All right, John. So we already alluded to the fact that when we talk about beer, we need to be drinking beer. So what is in your glass
1: tonight? So I'm still uh, working my way through my Alaskan Brewing Costco pack. Oh, okay. I had for the last episode. Um, but this time I'm drinking the uh free ride pale ale. Okay. I've had um, that. Um yeah, it's a pretty easy drinker. Um you know, kinda of pretty refreshing. So Okay, are you gonna be able to pound through like three or four of those tonight? Mm, I don't think I have that many left, but <laughs> Okay. I probably could if I did. Okay. So yeah, what do you what are you drinking?
0: Well, guess what? You know, John, you were always You know, preparing yourself for the tasting Notes segment when we have them by drinking, you know, at least a style of the beer that we're going to be tasting. Well, I've gone one step further than that. I'm actually drinking a vintage bottle of the beer that we're drinking now. It's a 2010 version of the Sierra Nevada Bigfoot.
1: That is certainly vintage.
0: Yeah, it's seven years old. And you know what makes this bottle even more special? is that it was not aged in my cellar. This was a gift. This is a surprise gift to me from a local listener, Tom Byrne. He and I finally met up last night. Uh, all you know, At least two years I've been trying to get, maybe a year and a half, I've been trying to get us to meet up and, and have some beers together and just chat. And last night uh, was the night. We met at Bitter Creek Ale House in downtown Boise, and we... Uh, we had some beers together and we chatted for two and a half hours that seemed like it was 15 minutes Uh, it was fantastic great time and he wanted he's trying to empty out his cellar and he he had a couple of these bigfoot 2010 bigfoots left and he thought it'd be great since we're doing the bigfoot show that i would go ahead and and drink this beer while we're doing the show so what i've done is i've poured this 12 ounce bottle into my snifter glass and also into a smaller four ounce snifter so i'm drinking right now out of the big snifter and when we do our tasting note segment i am going to uh kind of compare the the modern 2017 to the vintage 2010 so i can have a little taste off between the two of them nice yeah but let me just tell you about this beer because this is a a special beer and I just wrote. I had to write down some notes so that I, I could actually talk, uh, you know, officially about this because I want to make sure I can capture the flavors just right. So, well, here's what I get out of this beer so far. I've drank. I mean, already I've almost. I'm halfway through my snifter glass, so I've had a, quite a bit to come up with this. Uh, uh, these tasting notes. So for this 2010 version, definitely has a, a big bready malt front to it. And I'm getting a touch of lemon, a little bit lemon that comes in right in the midsection. So I get that malty f- you know, flavor right up front, and then I, it kind of lingers in a little bit just right at, after I get that malt. I get a little bit of lemony, which is kind of cool. It's kind of a nice flavor. And it moves into a little bit of sweetness into like a dried fruit sweetness. And I'm thinking that that dried fruit, if I were to put... Uh, a fruit to it, I'm thinking it's like apricots. I'm thinking it's like a dried apricot, uh, you know, fruit. And uh, what's nice, too, about this beer is it's not overly bitter. Uh, The hops are there. It it provides a nice bitter finish, but not overly bitter. And overall, very, very well-balanced beer. This beer, uh, like I said, has the maltiness and a little bit of sweetness up front, finishes dry, Really dry, not sweet in the finish, dry and uh, bitter, uh, and not overly bitter. So really well balanced f- from start to finish. I'm um, really enjoying it. And I just want to thank Tom for uh, our meetup and, and, and chatting with me last night and for providing this beer. So that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, that's great.
0: Yeah. Have you had the 2010 or have you had a vertical tasting of the Bigfoots before?
1: Uh, I've never done a vertical I know I've had different versions in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I had a 2010 though.
0: So I think I've had 2010, but it was before I was on a tap, so I don't have a record of it. That's you know that's the problem is I don't remember exactly, but I'm I'm sure I've had this in 2010 uh, fresh. Um, Back then I wasn't really selling much of anything, so I'm
1: sure I grabbed a bottle and drank it. You know, fresh. So yeah, I definitely didn't have it in 2010. I can guarantee that, but it's possible I came across it at some other time. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no problem, no problem.
0: All right, John. So you know, it's, it hasn't been that long since our last recording, but by any chance, over the weekend, did you did you do something fun beer related?
1: I did. Yeah. Uh, so we organized one last brewery crawl. In Seattle uh you know gather up all the friends see who can stop by even if you just meet us up at one brewery or Mm -hmm. something you know uh we had a really good time oh good um so hit two breweries I hadn't been to and one brewery that uh I really wanted to go to again um and uh I'll talk about some of the noteworthy beers um in a bit but I'll just say a little bit about each brewery now okay um So we started off at Holy Mountain, uh, which has been a place I've been wanting to go for a long time. Uh, but it's kind of off by itself and, um, you know, there's, it's not the easiest thing to incorporate into a beer day necessarily. Um, so we decided to just, uh, start there and then, you know, just kind of Uber our way back down into the city and, uh, get, get things done that way. Went up there, had had a few beers. Um, it's kind of... From the street, it's kind of hard to, to see. It's very unassuming. But then you go in and walk back through this hallway and then opens up into this nice big space that you'd never think they had um looking at it from the street. Um, but uh, the whole place is painted white. It's a little uh, little crazy. Um, but it, great, great spot, great beers. Um, if you like... Uh, any kind of saisons or Brett style, be- like beers with Brett in them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they do great stuff. Uh, pretty much all around with that, uh, and they they had a pretty good pale ale as well. Um, and uh, so I think everybody enjoyed that uh, that spot. It was a good a good start to the day.
0: Okay, I, I've heard Holy Mountain before. I think you've mentioned them, maybe in a noteworthy. Beer uh, a while back. What what area are they located in Seattle? The northern portion.
1: Uh, They're north of downtown um, in Elliott Bay. Okay, Uh, Elliott Bay. So, yeah, I mean it's not it's not like it's some way far out there location. There's just at the time wasn't anything around. Yeah, as we drove out, we realized they were just two doors or a block or so down from a cidery and there was a distillery up there. Like, Oh man, we could have done a whole bunch up here if we'd known <laughs> this other stuff was around. Um, but, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe next time I'm in Seattle. Okay. Uh, go do something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think before I mentioned their wit beer. Uh, okay. Maybe that was it. And in then in the noteworthy. So, um, so from there we had went down to cloudburst. Oh Yeah which I've uh, been to before, I've mentioned before, um, but I wanted to go again. And uh, again, we had amazing beers, uh, beers in there. It, you know, the one thing about Cloudburst is uh, its tap room is not the most inviting. Yeah, um, no. It's cramped. It's, uh, you know, there's not a lot of light um, in the back area, although you when you're back there, you do get to look out over the brewery, which is mm-hmm. nice. Um, it's really narrow. That's what it was. Yeah. When, when we were yeah. there, I noticed that it's like a long
0: walk through a narrow um, you know, way into the to the bar. And uh, it. so it seems like a lot of wasted space because you you just can't do much uh, in that space. Uh, and mm-hmm. I know we had trouble finding a table when we were there
1: trying to, you know. Yeah, and we didn't get a table this time. We just stood in a circle. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you got to basically cross a moat as you go up. Yeah, the exactly. Ramp, yeah. Thing yeah. It was a
0: ramp. The, yeah.
1: <laughs> area. But it's definitely worth it for the beer. I mean, this place does great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it was definitely worth it. A good time. Um, although they, they had already, uh, run out of a couple of things that people were hoping to get when we got there. Um, so that was unfortunate, but we still had a bunch of great beer there as well. Oh, good. So, uh, then the last brew we went to, uh, was another new one for me. And I, I think it's relatively new on the scene in Seattle, which is perihelion. Hmm. And this is in, uh, I think it's Capitol Hill neighborhood. Okay. Um, and we went up there, uh, sat out on their, patio i mean aka the sidewalk um <laughs> but uh they had you know a bunch of different tables with the uh, fire you know things in the middle mm-hmm. um i'm not sure what the technical term for those. I'll the fire tables you know okay yeah <laughs> uh but yeah we sat out that i mean it was it was a nice day in seattle to be out and about and uh we got there as it was sun was starting to think about going down and you know, we're getting a little cooler, but, uh, being outside with a, with the fire was, was really nice. Uh, they had great food, um, to go along with the beer. Uh, I think everybody enjoyed what they had. They got some great barbecue options. Um, and wow. uh, it was just very, very tasty. Uh, the beer at this place was not as good as Holy Mountain or Cloudburst, but it was still... I mean, the, I think the, those two are among the, the top in the city, so uh, it's, it's kind of a high bar, but they still had um, still had good beer. Um, I don't think anybody had anything that they didn't like. Okay. So. Yeah, I've,
0: I've never heard of this brewery, so it's it's definitely new to me. And it's kind of cool that they actually have a f- a food offerings, which is nice, because... By the time you got done with the first two breweries, you were probably looking for something to put in your stomach besides beer.
1: Yeah, and, and this place is, would be great, you know, as a start or an end to mm-hmm. either lay the base yeah. or just, I, you know what, I want some awesome, <laughs> you know, greasy barbecue or something, you know, just to get in, you know, I mean, it, it was really good. And uh, so I really enjoyed the, the atmosphere there out, out on the deck and, you know, table of friends and... Talking around the fire, it was it was really nice. Cool. So, ah, sounds awesome. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. So, uh, I, I I've been seeing things online. I know you've been up to up to some. Obviously, <laughs> no good. Um, you know. So, what 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 have you had going on?
0: Well, I'll tell you what. I didn't think I was going to have anything going on until Idaho decided that they were going to start. A Idaho craft beer month, and now from this month on, from this year on, April is going to be Idaho craft beer month. We're not we're not saying a week. This is like a month where all the the bars and the craft brewery, it's all celebrating Idaho craft beer. So to kick off this inaugural celebration, they had an event at a number of places around town. There's probably like twenty or more places that were participating in the first, you know, the April Fool's basically uh, kickoff celebration where you go and they, they're releasing special beers. And if you uh, bought a beer, you got a commemorative glass to go along with that pint, which if you've been following me on Untapped, then you probably see that the last several beers I've been, uh, you know, drinking have been out of my uh, Idaho Craft Beer Month glass. We got two of them because, you know, I, I brought my wife along. Uh, and I ordered a beer for me and for her, even though I drank both of them, but I got two glasses. So it's a bonus. It worked out well. Yeah. Yeah. So we went to Mad Swede Brewing. I, I've mentioned them many times since they've opened. I It's probably the brewery I've been to the most now. Just because they're so close to my house, it's easy for me to stop by, grab a beer or two, and then head home after work. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not even joking. At least 15 times I've been to this brewery in the last four or five months that they've been open, so I like it a lot, and they just released two new beers, and I, I had to try both of them, and the, the, the first one was not as good as I was expecting, but they released a summer stout, now they have a very good regular stout, that is, uh, it just has fantastic flavor, I, I think I mentioned on the show before, it's kind of like, I would say it's probably like an export stout, like an English, um, Style stout, uh, not too heavy, but has very, very nice flavor. Uh, I, I love it. I drink that beer all the time. Well, this one they decided they were gonna. It's called the, I call it the Lovin'. It's L-O-V-E-N, and, and the bartender was calling the Levine or Levine uh, 870, and it's called a, it's a summer stout. What the hell is a summer stout? Well, I guess it's a thin stout that is easier to drink when it's hot out. Um, not Typically, what I consider a stout, I would say um, it may fall more into the brown ale category as far as the thinness and stuff. But the the coloring was definitely very very dark; you couldn't see through it. So it's a stout. Um, it was it was okay, but it couldn't stand up to the a regular stout. The regular stout is far better than this one. But I enjoyed it. I think I gave it a three three rating or so you know it's 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 middle middle road but the one i really enjoyed was their shield maiden cascadian dark ale their black ipa just released and i really liked it now john some people may say that this black ipa is way too roasty for (laughs) to be a black ipa it might be considered a stout i don't care i love the beer i really enjoyed it and i Plan on drinking a lot of this beer in the next few months while it's available. Yeah, we, I don't think we'll
1: ever agree on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that—that's what I did, and and of course I already mentioned that uh, I also, you know, uh, you know, last night went out with one of our listeners in the local area, Tom Byrne. Uh, first time that we've met and uh, and drank together, and we hit it off really well. And I'm looking forward to doing more drinking with him in the future. And I really appreciate that, uh, you know, he was able to provide me with that 2010 Bigfoot. And I I didn't mention, but he also provided me with a KBS, a founders uh, KBS stout or no. Is it a stout? It is a stout, right?
1: Yeah. Kentucky breakfast stout.
0: Yeah. Breakfast stout. And uh, it's from last year. So it's a 2016. So I'm looking forward to trying that. I've never had KBS before. So another new beer for me, to, to try out. So I was pretty pleased and with
1: that. You should uh, keep an eye out because it should be hitting your area as well. I know some places are putting up their KBS releases for Seattle. Okay. Um, so we are getting an allotment now that we're in their, you know, distribution footprint. All right. So.
0: Well, I plan on picking up a, at least one, if not a six pack or four pack where they sell it. I'll, I think well, they do fours. Fours. Yeah. I, I might pick up a four pack, right? Who knows? I, it's a, a beer that I've been wanting to try Uh, Maybe I'll try out the 2016, and if I like it enough, then I'll for sure pick up a four-pack. You'll like it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Excellent. (laughs) All right, John. So I thought I would change things up a little bit and find out if there's any new news on the truck brewing front, as far as anything new that you want
1: to talk about uh, going on with the brewery since our last show. Anything? Uh, Nothing super exciting. We're uh, trying to... wrap up some purchase contracts for various pieces of equipment to okay. get those started. Um, you know, that stuff can have a long lead time, uh, you know, so we got to get it going. So we're not sitting around twiddling our thumbs, uh-huh. just waiting for equipment to come in. Is, uh, is this
0: equipment um, coming in from the States or is it coming from outside the
1: States? Uh, in the States. Okay. So, yep. Uh, but outside of that, uh, really just gearing up to, to get back over there so we can uh, really get things going. Okay. So, yeah, for sure.
0: For sure. Which we already mentioned, you'll be on the road
1: this Saturday. And uh, well, yeah, so by the time everybody's hearing this, I'll be in Ohio, assuming I'm not broken down on the side of the road in, you know, Missouri somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true.
0: Because we are recording really early. We're recording over a week before the show gets released. So yeah, you should be in Ohio when they listen to this. So that's good. Yep. That's good. And I'm looking forward to, you are going to stop by Boise on, on your way through, so I'm looking forward to being able to spend a few, a, you know, a few hours with you, and, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. Let me know if, what you're up to. I'll take you wherever you want to go. If you want to go brewery hopping, we'll go brewery hopping, but I don't want to take you away from your family and and uh, get you all drunk for the the road trip, and you know, the following day, so...
1: It could be a rough day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next day.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I won't. I'll, I'll take it easy on you. I won't force you. Yeah. We'll.
1: We'll see. We'll. We'll chat.
0: Okay. So. That sounds good. All right then, John. So how about you mentioned the breweries that you visited on your brewery crawl? So how about some noteworthy beers that you had from these breweries?
1: Absolutely. So uh, I'll start at Holy Mountain, just like our our brewery crawl, and. uh We'll we'll go with the, the Bon Nuit. Or Ooh. as uh Rob said when he was trying to order it, the Bon Nut. The Bull Nut. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh this is a, a Belgian golden Str- uh Be- Belgian golden strong. Yeah. Okay. Right. okay. Um that was aged in uh I believe uh Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, oh wine barrels, okay. This thing drank super smooth and easy and it came in i found out later at 12 percent. Oh, wow. i didn't read that on the on the menu <laughs> when i ordered it um but oh my gosh it was delicious and uh the, this was a um yeah I, and i think this had some brett in it as well um but it it just went down super easy. It was, you know, really, really good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, sometimes wine barrel aging, um, doesn't really come together for me, mm-hmm. but this thing just everything worked together. Uh, there was nothing out of place. Oh, good. Um, it was very, very nice. Good. That's so, that's uh,
0: awesome. Yeah. We, sometimes, especially white wines can really give a, an extra drying, uh, character to it so i'm glad it didn't didn't uh add you know although you know what some of that drawing character might be good with a belgian golden strong golden ale it might take some of that sweetness uh away so
1: yeah it could and you know while we were there uh, speaking of wine uh, uh amanda got a uh cider that said it was aged in whiskey barrels <laughs> This thing tasted just like Chardonnay. Oh, like, my it,
0: God. Um, so it was, was it? <laughs> dried out to
1: the bone, uh, the cider. Uh, so it was, it was interesting. She was just passing around like, you want to try my wine? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, that's
0: hard. Yeah, super dry um,
1: cider can be difficult to drink. It wasn't difficult to drink. It just you weren't expecting that flavor profile based off the description. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if maybe they swapped out the cider that was on or something based on the, the paper menu that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it was it just def, definitely didn't come across the same way. But it's uh, <laughs> still tasty. Um, so now I, I'll just do a couple of beers from Cloudburst, um, the first of which I actually had a sip of at the uh, Cask Beer Fest. Okay. Um, and I tried to go get more for myself, but they ran out of everything um, before our session ended. Uh, when, when we were there. Um, and this one is the Electric Body, uh, which is uh, an imperial stout with uh, coffee and... um oh blanking on what else is in this beer. Um, Something electric.
0: got to have... I mean, so coffee yeah, has I, a I caffeine. Think, I think it has
1: some maybe coffee and chocolate or okay. some vanilla and other... Th- but uh, this thing is so smooth, so delicious. The coffee character comes through really well. Oh, nice! Um, and uh, that's what uh, Kristen got herself a, a big pint of this, and she was very happy um, oh, at, at the brewery because uh, she's uh, she found some things to enjoy at at Holy Mountain, but the saisons and Brett beers are not. Yeah, not her stuff. Not really her favorite. Yeah. Um, so when we got there, uh, everyone was telling her just get this beer, and she did. <laughs> she was- <laughs> so, so good. Um, yeah, that that one was delicious, and you know if if you're ever there and you see this on or you see it around town, uh, you definitely need to need to pick it up. Okay, it, it's just very good.
0: Yeah, you, you know that now that because Cloudburst is right by Pike's Place, right? It's, it's right. Close to Pike's yeah, Place? Yeah, it's, it's
1: just north of the market.
0: Yeah, so, I, I mean, now when I go to Seattle, I won't be visiting you, which is sad, but we, when we go visit Pike's Place Market, I can go and tell my wife, hey, we're going up to Cloudburst, and we're grabbing some electric body. Let's go.
1: Yeah, I, I would say you could just leave her at the market to do her shopping. <laughs> that, that might no. be more dangerous yeah. than... Uh... <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> um, so my last one, I... I had a smoke beer that i that I enjoyed. Oh, um, I got to drink a bit of a smoke beer that i I enjoyed uh, and you know the well done smoke beer I think is something to talk about yeah and uh, this is their Cloudburst dumpster fire um, <laughs> which and again is a great name. Yeah. I mentioned a, a couple of uh, of their beers with with good names on it uh, but uh, it was a uh, I think a porter base. Um and uh the smoke level was just right. Um, at least for me. Um okay, I just looked it up. It's a smoked oatmeal stout. Uh, oh okay. excuse me. Excuse me. Okay. Um but uh I I did find out later that it does have peat malt in it. Oh. And no. I didn't pick up any of that. <laughs> Character that I hate from peat malt. Um, good. It, it have they they do cherry, smoke malt and peat malt, and you know I don't know the percentages or you know anything of that, but uh, this is actually I I enjoyed this beer. Okay.
0: Um,
1: there there and you know as as you get with smoke beer, you know the smoke was just right for me. It wasn't over too strong. It wasn't too light and. Other people were like, oh my gosh, that's all smoke. I can't, you know, it's too much. So it, it just goes to show just how polarizing this is because within our group, you know, m- over half of the people said it was completely overbearing smoke. Really? Um, while a couple of us were like, oh my gosh, this is just perfect. <laughs> so, um, you know, it you never really know with uh, with that, but... I enjoyed it, oh, so good. I'm gonna talk about it. so wow.
0: Hey, and you know what? If you can find a smoked beer that you enjoy, why not pass it on to everyone else that might bypass it because they don't like smoked beers? They may try it, and now I, I'm I'm willing to try it. If you liked it, John, I'm willing to try it because I I think I might
1: like it too. There you go. All right. So that's it for me. So uh, how about you? What are your noteworthy beers? All right. Well, you know what? Last show, I only had two noteworthy beers, although we talked about two more.
0: So really, I had four, but we'll not talk about that. But I have four this time, but I'll talk about them quickly. The first one is the Southern Tier Thick Mint Imperial Stout. And this is uh, one of the beers that Amanda and Kevin from Pittsburgh sent over my way. They... I commented on the, on when they were drinking it. I said, oh, this sounds right up my alley, and they picked up on it, and they wanted to share it with me. I'll tell you what. The beer is fantastic. It literally tastes like an, to me, it tastes like an Andes mint. You know, those candy uh, chocolate and mint uh, candies. It tastes like that. It's really uh, pleasant mint, pleasant chocolate, uh, good, thick dessert beer. That I really enjoyed. I gave that sucker a four point five cap. Uh, I, I enjoy it. So Southern Tier, if you can, uh, when you get back to Ohio, John, see if you can pick this stuff up. I think they might have it over there. Give it a shot. I think Kristen oh, would enjoy it. Too. We get it here too, but I get Southern Tier, but this this beer hasn't come to my area, so I don't know if it's only like a limited yeah, release.
1: Yeah, that's I don't know about this one. I still haven't been to a bottle shop. That's true. Uh, like four weeks. Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) So that's the first one. The second one is another one that was uh, provided to me by a listener. It's the Against the Grain Citra Ass Down Double IPA, which, John, was a noteworthy beer on your list a a few episodes ago. Probably, I don't know, six or seven episodes ago. It's been a little while. Yeah, it's been a while. (laughs) But ever since you talked about it, I was like, oh, I've got to try this beer. And William Lake sent it to me, and I'll tell you what, I really enjoyed this beer. It was really tasty. Not only is the name great, the artwork is funny, but the beer itself is worthy of uh, people trying it. So if you can get against-the-grain beers in your area, go get that Sit Your Ass Down double IPA. A very smooth, very enjoyable IPA. I gave it four and a quarter uh, caps. That's for Wes, the old quarter cap rating for Wes. Uh, the next one again, William Lake uh, h- hooked me up with the Rheingeis Brewery out of Cincinnati. It's the Truth IPA, another very very unique and tasty IPA. I really enjoyed it. Uh, great flavors in there. Uh, not the average IPA that you know that we get over here in the West Coast. It was a little bit different. And I I appreciated the the different flavor. I really liked it. I also gave that a four point two five cap rating. Uh, very very good and. The last one I want to mention real quick is the one, uh, again, William had, I had this on my wish list that I want to try and, and he found it in his area and sent it to me. It's the three Floyd's alpha King pale L. And I'll tell you what, I r- really fell in love with this beer. Uh, as soon as I took my first sip, I, I just really liked it. It has a unique flavor, very, a very nice pale L, uh, not too hoppy. Uh, you know, just good flavor in there, and uh, I gave that four cap. Um, I probably could give it a higher rating. I don't know why I gave it four. I really enjoyed it. I don't know. I, I'm tr- like I said in the beginning of the year. I'm trying to to not give as many five caps as I did previously, but I, you know, I need to make sure I recognize good good beer. So now, John, you've had the Three Floyds Alpha King before, haven't you, or have you?
1: I have, but I apparently haven't logged it because I was just looking up to see what I rated it. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, but I have had it. Okay. So it's a tasty beer. It is good.
0: It is good. I, I really, I mean, I love their, their artwork is very unique it
1: also, so I saved the bottle in my collection. you can say that about every single uh, beer out, they put out. TV, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so those are my... New and noteworthy beers, and guess what? All of them are not—not one of them is from the West Coast. So there you go. We got some East Coast and Midwest representation right there for everyone listening that's not on the West Coast. All right, we got some feedback, John. We got one feedback, one lonely feedback. It's it was a slow week and a short week and a short week. So I'll, I'll give I'll give our listeners that. But we—it's ha- from Aaron, uh, and I, again, I have a Riot PDX, a Rioto PDX. I don't know. I—I'm uh, still hoping he explains his uh, Twitter handle to us. I know PDX is Portland, and I don't know if it's a Riot O or Ario two PDX. I don't know. I don't know. But he talked to us on Twitter. He says, "Just listen to the show," and now I'm stoked that Trek Brewing is coming to Ohio. Exclamation point! Whoop! All right, John, you have a fan. Uh, I think yeah. I think Aaron is going to be making a trip down the Trek Brewing when it opens. So you better treat him right. And definitely uh, will. Definitely yeah. will.
1: Yeah. No, it, uh, it's been like I mentioned last time. We've had a great outpouring of support. So thank you, Aaron. And uh, yeah, definitely hope to see you uh, at the brewery. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So great. I'm. I'm glad that there are some you know ohio listeners that will be able to show their support and come visit your brewery and and drink along with you and and help you raise this this thing up to a big giant success because we know it's going to be a success Okay, well, you know what? We didn't have that much participation this episode, but if you want to contact the show with your comments or your questions, you can reach us through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com or, of course, on Twitter at tapthecraft, And feel free to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash tapthecraft. And both myself and Chris have really been active in the last month or two, posting a lot of stuff on the Facebook page. So come visit our Facebook page, like our page, and you'll be updated with all the great stuff that we have to post on there. It's kind of fun to, to interact on the Facebook. I'm still trying to get used to using the damn thing. I, I don't know. It's, it seems to be a little complicated for me, but uh, I'm learning the ropes. But I got Chris there to to fix things when I break it. Yeah, that's why I've christened it. <laughs> All right, we, good. We are, we're incompetent when it comes to that. So. All right. Okay, and then also, I just want to thank Open Forum Radio Network because they support our show. They provide the hosting space at openforumradio.com. And if you like what John and I put out, we know that you will find other great content uh, that OF, at Open Forum Radio Network has put out, like the following shows. Hey, you Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with
1: Denny and John. Now, I know you're a crafty consumer, and if you would like to consume other great podcasts, check out OperformRadio.com. We house such podcasts as Operform Radio Proper, The Forticast, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, Just Press Start, The Married
0: Gamers, Gamer Husband's Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Lost Treasures of Gaming, Primetime, My Peanut Gallery, and many, many more. And please... Remember to leave these fine fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this show. Again, thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft. All right, now we're gonna roll right into our brewery startup segment, where we talk about the ins and outs of starting up a brewery. And of course, this show we are gonna be talking about the brew house, the the main, the core of a brewery, the thing that you need. You know, I, I think also that it's probably the most expensive thing that you're going to have in your business, right, is, a, is is funding that the brew house and all the fermenters. So it's a pretty important component to the brewing process. But before we get in to talking about what John is going to have at his brewery, I thought it would be a, a good idea to kind of refresh our listeners about the brewing process in general. Not necessarily all the ins and outs of how you brew, but just the steps that a brewery, you know, is, you know, know, even a home brewer, but, you know, what you have to do to go through to to make beer. And um, once again, I'm going to use my reference book, The Complete Beer Course by Joshua Bernstein. He had a nice little segment in there in the first chapter that talked about the brewing process and about all the different components that are needed. And I thought, you know what, that's a good intro Refresher for our listeners to understand what we're going to be talking about in a few minutes. So I'm going to start us off, John. And of course, the first thing you need in your brewery system, you know, you need you need the ingredients, but you need that that malted barley. You need some way of milling, milling that malted barley so that it cracks open and releases all that great content inside those malted barley seeds. So,
1: yeah, wishing I had thought of this. Uh oh.
0: Oh, no, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, hey, I'm going to teach you something, John. You might yeah, need yeah. a mill. You might need a mill. Oh, man. So, what, yeah. what the? Yeah. What the author says is that the uh, <laughs> the barley malt is run through a mill, which converts it into crushed grains known as the grist. And again, that grist is uh, what's going to you know allow those sugars to come out in the next couple processes. So, John, after you mill this grain, what happens next?
1: Yeah, so then you're mashing, um, and you you have a, a huge, um, well, depending on your system, I guess. But <laughs> at the commercial level, everything seems big, no matter what what it is. Uh, yeah, in your mash tun, a yeah. very well named vessel, uh, and all that uh, malt that your grist is uh, steeped in hot water uh, to convert all the starches that are in there into sugars yeah. using the enzymes that are present in the malt.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So, we've, and we've talked about the old mash tun before, about especially when you're home brewing, you can make your own mash tun out of an igloo cooler, right? Yeah. I've done that. Yeah. So, John has one. In fact, are you going to, are you going to, actually, push that? John doesn't have one anymore. Oh, you got rid of it? Come on. You can't get yeah. rid of the core components of your start.
1: Yeah. Well,. Some things, uh, if you can convert it into cash, are better than moving. <laughs> <So. laughs> all
0: right, good point. I, I understand. Good point. Good point. All right. So now, once you got all that sugars in that mash tun that's just sitting there, you know, coming out of those of uh, that grist, you're going to have another vessel, which is called, which is the lottering, the lottering per, uh, process, which in a lotter tun, which they say is a vessel that allows liquids to flow through the slotted bottom. And it says the solid grains are separated from the sugary broth, which is called the wort. And the hot water is then trickled through the grain to extract the remaining sugars in a process that's called sparging. And we've mentioned sparging before. That's basically what you're doing is just adding extra water to help rinse out, you know, rinse some of those sugars and enzymes out of that grain and, and, and make up the, the rest of the portion of the wort that you need for the bro- the boiling process. So, John, what is this boiling
1: process all about? It uh, makes liquid really hot, some in terms <laughs> of steam. Um, but, uh, yeah, boiling uh, gets transferred in a boil kettle. You know, once again, we have an aptly named uh, vessel. Uh, and this is where you add the hops um, early for bitterness, late for flavor and aroma. Mm-hmm. And, uh yeah. Get all that, that delicious, uh, different flavors. Yeah, so.
0: yeah. So, you boil it and you boil it for a certain amount of time, depending on you know how much bitterness and etc.
1: you want in there. So, and coloring and, and coloring caramelization yeah. and yeah. other other factors. Yeah,
0: yeah. And of course, you can keep adding more and more hops throughout the boiling process to make it a super hop bomb if you really want to, or bitter bomb if you really want it bitter. <laughs> all right so now you've got all these hops and we just said we just entered just say john wanted a super hoppy thing he just added four different stages of hops into his boil kettle well guess what when you add all that content into the boil pot you got to get it out somehow you don't want that that hop uh component stuck in your beer you want to have a, a cleaner beer so some systems include a whirlpool and the whirlpool i can't even say it it's uh, obviously, I've had too much <laughs> to drink because everything is uh, combined together. But basically, during the the whirlpool phase, uh, the hopped wort is spun in the whirlpool, and it this removes the spent hops and the coagulated proteins. So it kind of uh, you know gets gets that stuff and just gives you the liquid the, you know, the, the liquid you need, not the extra crap that is floating around in there.
1: So you kind of clean right. it up, clean it up. Yeah, and basically, all it's doing is. Uh... Getting everything up into suspension, and as it settles, it forms into a cone in the center of oh. the uh, of the vessel. So sounds fancy. Yeah, it's and at the homebrew level, you can do it with a spoon. Just, uh, <laughs> literally, whip the word around a little bit. It doesn't need to go super fast, and uh, you'll get a nice little cone. Is that a your s- kettle serious? So you can just use a spoon, and you can whirlpool your own homebrew, huh? Yeah, I mean, when you're dealing with you know, ten, fifteen, yeah, two hundred barrels is a little harder to to do with a spoon, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you, you you don't need a, a lot of movement. Okay. So okay, all right. So now,
0: John, we've cleaned up the wart, but that wart is still kind of hot, right? It just came out of a boiling kettle. What what what's next?
1: Should probably cool it down. Yeah, should probably do some wort cooling. <laughs> um, So, yeah, before you can add the yeast, uh, which would just die if you put it in there at near boiling temperatures, uh, you got to chill it down to uh, your fermentation temperature. Yeah. So, uh, to do that, you run your wort through a heat exchanger, uh, which will have uh, cold water, glycol, which is extremely cold Mm -hmm. solution, uh, or some mixture of the two uh, to get it down to the temperature that you need.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so once you get that temperature down to uh, a temperature that the yeast will thrive in, uh, it's in the, the wort goes into a fermenter, and that's where you add your yeast. So the wort is transferred to fermentation tanks, yeast is added, and that sugary liquid, guess what? It begins to transform into beer. Yes, yeast is what makes the magic happen and gives us great quality beer that we enjoy drinking. But guess what? Uh, It it goes to more stages even after the fermentation. So, John, what happens after this wort
1: becomes beer? So we'll go through a conditioning process, uh, and basically the the yeast is done eating everything um, that it's going to eat. So you'll start cooling the fermenter, Uh, which encourages the yeast to settle out, uh, otherwise known as flocculate.
0: Yeah, flocculate.
1: To to the bottom of the tank uh, where it can be removed. um, And then the the beer can be put into a bright tank or these days even stay in the same tank uh, to be clarified and carbonated and ready for, you know, heading on to consumption.
0: Yeah, yeah, but... But before – now, you could just take it straight from the bright tank and, and keg it, bottle it, whatever. There's one more process that I don't know if all breweries – I don't think all breweries do this. I think most bigger breweries do the filtering process.
1: Yeah, I'm shaking my head right now. At Yeah, not all breweries do this. Yeah, not all breweries Wait, do that it. That doesn't make for a good podcast. People can't see me doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but but
0: there is one final step, and that is where you can filter the beer so that it gets a nice clear uh, uh, clear uh, appearance, and, and get out you know any of those last little remaining yeast particles and and uh, things that that make it look kind of cloudy, uh, and. basically they say it puts the final polish on the beers and they want some of the beers are filtered for optimum clarity that's the word i was looking for is clarity you want to have a nice clear beer but you don't have to not all breweries do especially small breweries and that's one of the questions i'll be asking you john is whether or not you're going to have this process in your uh, in your flow but we don't want to spoil it we want people to listen on a little longer so uh, but from that filtering and again like john said you can either go straight from the conditioning tank or the bright tank into kegs or canning or bottles or you can filter it and do the same thing again from there it goes into the kegs the bottles the cans and off to be drank by your consumers so that is pretty much sums up the whole process involved in a in the brewing process it's pretty simple i mean it seemed pretty easy to me just nine steps that's all it is Easy. super easy yeah all right, John. So now that we just filled in all of our listeners on the process, now I want to talk about your brew house, your brewing system that you will be putting into your brewery. Are you ready for this? Totally. Okay. Now I don't know if you know all the answers to questions I'm going to ask you. If you don't, you can just say, I don't know, or I don't remember, or I have it written down somewhere, but I can't find it. It's fine. But the first question is, I want, and and this is just for my geekiness is, Uh, you know, who, who, I know we already found out that you're going to, you're purchasing a, uh, a brew house being used in a brewery that's upgrading to a bigger brew house. So you're going to buy their older system. So I know you're not buying it new, but do you know who manufactured this brew system uh, originally? Is it a, is it an American, uh, company or is it from Germany or Brazil or, you know, who, who manufactured your brew system?
1: Uh, so our, our system was done by, uh, Global Stainless, um, and I am not sure exactly where they are located. Okay. Um, I just know where their system that they are doing for us is located, or that we're buying from them is located. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I've seen it in action. It does everything I want it to do, and... (laughs) So <laughs> okay, did did <laughs> you research? So you just
0: mentioned that you actually saw it in action, but did you research um, this brew system at all before you decided? Yeah, I want to buy this one, or did you any you know background research?
1: Um, I w- wouldn't say that i uh I, di- I didn't research them in particular, and then decide like I'm going to go find a place that yeah. has one of these. Yeah, you know. Um, but, uh, it, it was more, I've researched a whole bunch of, you know, talking with folks and different, uh, companies and, and learning what I, what I want in the system. And then, uh, you know, in terms of functionality, number of vessels and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then, I, then I know that once I find it, uh, a system that has everything i need you know i i'll be comfortable with it okay so. okay and you know i can I, for this one i i know that the the brewery that is using it um you know they're doing some good stuff they're uh, very upfront and honest about everything and you know they pointed out the couple things that they would change if if they uh, were to to change anything and not big things and they're very happy with it and they've been doing some great beers on it. so Okay. um, Yeah.
0: All right. That sounds good to me. So do you, by any chance, know how old the system is? Like when it was manufactured? Uh,
1: I believe they said uh, 2012.
0: Oh, okay. So not too old.
1: Yeah. And I I think I'll actually be the third owner of the system. Oh, wow. So I think they got it secondhand as well. Okay. Okay.
0: so does but, that mean uh, you get
1: a, a maybe maybe twenty ten. Okay. Maybe twenty twelve is when they got it. I can't recall.
0: Okay. So hopefully you get a pretty so. good
1: discount for being a third owner.
0: Or they <laughs> or do, or do the brew systems hold their uh, value really well?
1: Uh in today's climate they hold very, very well. Okay. Okay. So all right.
0: So now Let's go into some – let's find out the details on, how, like you mentioned, how many vessels you have, how many stages you have, what, you know, how you're going to do this. So the first step we talked about is the milling process, which you kind of scratch your head thinking, oh, wow, maybe I need to think about the milling process. Jokingly, I'm sure. But Yeah, joking. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the questions that I have for you, because I've seen many breweries do it different ways, and I'm curious how yours is going to be set up. Are you going to have a grain silo, or are you just going to be – uh, using, uh, uh, you know, a mill that you're gonna pour bags of grain into. Uh, we'll just be using bags. Okay. Um,
1: and it's actually, uh, I would have to get zoning changes and code changes from the city to allow me to have a silo. Really? Um, so uh, it's not something that we're at the, you know, we would need, um, size-wise, you know, to, at at the amount of grain that we'll be using. Like we won't get our money back from putting in a silo at this point. Okay. Um, so that would be something down the road if, if we decide to do a lot more beer. Okay. Um, that we would do. And okay. I'm sure uh, if we've been up and running for a while and, you know, we're doing well and everybody's happy with us and we're providing jobs that I can get a silo put in, no problem. Okay. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I think the silo just allows you to have – um, you know, trucks of, of grain come in and it m- might be a little cheaper, maybe, depending on where you get your grain from. But it's,
1: it's cheaper. Yeah. So, it, so that yeah. might
0: be the, the benefit of putting in a silo. So you just have a bulk amount delivered, you get to save money on it, and you're going to go through it fast enough that it's going to be worthwhile to have it. But again, at the early stages, I can see maybe you don't need to have that
1: yeah, and it right now it's a matter of we won't go through malt fast enough to make our money back okay. on the silo in a in a time frame that makes sense, okay. you know. It, or that money is better spent elsewhere right now. So
0: I hey, I, I can't argue with that. I agree. All right. So how about this? Does your system contain a mash and a lot of
1: tun or are some of the processes combined into a single vessel? So we have a we'll be getting a two vessel system. So it's a mash ladder ton and then a boil kettle whirlpool um oh vessel. So the so, the
0: whirlpool is built into the brew kettle?
1: Yeah, it's okay. all all together. Okay. Um so uh you know the adding more vessels allows you to um brew more beer faster. Yeah. Um, but we won't be running around the clock for a while a long time so <laughs> I'm not I'm not concerned about that speed okay aspect of it um, We won't be missing out when you're only brewing once a day okay um, there, so- there are no gains um, for those extra vessels okay
0: that is that what you're planning to start out with is is one batch a day uh, six days a week or whatever?
1: Uh, starting out, it'll probably be mm, a couple times a week. Oh, just a couple That'd times a week. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Interesting. I, I didn't think about asking you questions about your uh, the quantity that you're going to be put, putting out at, at a time. Well, I, I do have another question about quantity, but we'll, we'll wait for that. So the pool you already mentioned, is built into the brew kettle, which is kind of cool. I know that like when I visited Lagunitas. And of course Payette, they also, I mentioned, they have a five stage system and they have a separate woolpool vessel that the beer goes into and spins around high centrifuge. And, uh, I think at Lagunitas, they mentioned that thing weighs like, I don't know how many tons that centrifuge weighs, like two and a half tons that, that it, it was kind of interesting stuff, but yours is built in. So that's good. I
1: won't ask about that so well a centrifuge is different from a whirlpool oh yes uh centrifuge would be used um on filtering. finished beer oh, okay. to get out uh whatever hot matter yeast uh there are different centrifuges that'll work best for different size particulate okay um but uh, a centrifuge yeah would be used uh after okay um, so the filtering at process. least that's that's the when i've seen them used uh Okay. In past, so. No problem. Maybe yeah. there are hot side centrifuges out there. I don't know.
0: Uh, it's it's my naivety, na- naivety or whatever. Uh, I don't know. I, I've been to a number. I can't keep track of all the stages, but yeah, no problem. All right. So how are you going to cool your wart? Are you going to have a... I mean are you going to have a uh, heat exchanger you're going to be pumping the the wort through and cooling it uh, actively or are you going to cool it once it gets into the fermenter
1: tank before you add the the wort or the yeast No, it would definitely have a heat exchanger. It it um we're buying it along with the brew house. Okay. Um and uh yeah, so we'll uh cool the wort down in there. The the cold water that we're pumping in there is going to become hot and just be pumped right into the hot liquor tank. Oh, okay. Uh, to preserve and, you know, keep some hot water and save a little water, which is always good. Yeah. Um and then yeah, the cold the cold wort will just go right into the fermenter, ready to ready to pitch yeast. So.
0: Okay, so you mentioned hot liquor tank. The I uh, so you're going to have a hot liquor tank. Is it going to be I mean, if your system is 15 barrels, is it going to be Thirty barrels or how, how big is your hot liquor tank?
1: Uh it's only gonna be twenty barrels. Okay. Um so not quite double it we'd have to um for true efficiency what we'd have to get creative um if we were going back to back batches that yeah. type of thing. Okay. Um but at the start that's not gonna be a problem. Okay. Like I mentioned. So
0: Okay, and, and that came with your your brew the whole brew house thing, or is that something you gotta buy separate?
1: Uh, no, that we're buying along with the brew house okay. as well. Okay,
0: okay. Just, just checking. All right, now here's the question. We, you mentioned in the last episode that one of the things you're looking for property is to have you know gas and water and all that stuff, electric, you know, good electricity. So brew houses can be powered by different means, you know, electric, gas, and even steam. So what is your brew house being powered by, gas, electric, or steam? Uh, Steam. Oh, so, sweet! Uh,
1: that's going to be a learning curve for me. Obviously, Steam at the homebrew level is uh, not a thing. <laughs> um, so, uh, I I was a little um, more gun shy on it until I got to go watch the system in action, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it'll be that big a deal to to figure out and and learn. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, th- I think I'll be all right. Okay. So, so I assume
0: the system has its own, uh, steam generator that is going you know, to heat this
1: you know, it's own. Yeah. Uh, we'll have a boiler, boiler. that'll okay. generate steam for us.
0: Okay. So. All right. Okay, good. I'm glad I asked that question. Cause you had the one that I didn't think you, I, I figured you had gas fired, but steam is cool.
1: Yeah. We were actually looking to do electric, um, when we first started this, uh, and we were looking for, you know, a seven barrel electric system Mm -hmm. um which there's quite a few out there right now that are that are available um but uh we we kind of moved away from that in in looking for something a little bit bigger okay and elect electric systems uh start to lose out on uh efficiency the bigger you get Mm -hmm. um Partly because it just takes so long to heat yeah. uh, very large amounts of wort, and the you know the electric requirements get ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah. For what you got have to do so. Um, once you get past f- five, seven, there are places that are doing ten barrel electrics, but I don't know that I would do that. So
0: yeah, I've heard that uh, the people that do have the electric ones, they they have mentioned they would if they go go back and change it they would not do electric just because the cost in the electricity and the time like you mentioned to heat up stuff takes a lot longer so it's not the most efficient and and uh, best way so they they've they've mentioned that they'd rather go uh, different means so i'm glad you decided to go steam instead of
1: electric and wimp yeah, and, and it, it was more a this is what i know right now because my <laughs> yeah you know my small system is electric and that will continue to be electric as the pilot system in the, in the brewery. So, um, but yeah.
0: All right. So you mentioned that you won't be brewing around the clock or even every day, twice a week or maybe three times a week. So my next question is, are you going to be brewing 15 barrels right away? Or are you going to start off with partial loads just to get your, you know, feet wet and understand the how things work, and and to make sure you don't overproduce beer. So, what's your plans on on getting this boost system started? And are you going to pump out maximum capacity right away every batch?
1: Uh, starting out, yes, we will. Um, mostly because uh, I've heard way too many stories of places opening and running out of beer. Yeah, okay. and I don't want to be that place that has to shut down for two weeks, three weeks, because they don't have any more beer. Okay, um, <laughs> that'd be bad. So at least to start out, yes, and then we'll see how things go. If we need to pull back a little bit while we get established, and we'll do that. But I I don't want to have to close because we weren't prepared.
0: Okay. So. No, it Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. All right. Next one is now when you've brewed your beer, fermented it, and it's ready to be packaged you're gonna I, we already mentioned in previous shows that you're gonna go with the keg and eventually maybe get to some uh, packaging but not right away so what size kegs are you gonna be putting out are you gonna putting out 15 gallon kegs or five gallons or are you gonna do a mix of both
1: uh mostly half barrels which would be the 15 and a half gallons um but we will have uh some six-talls available, which are just over five gallons. Okay. So, um, so a little both, but predominantly the, the half-barrels.
0: Okay. That sounds good. All right. One last question. And, uh, you know, if you can't answer, it's okay. But everyone's curious. You know, we already mentioned that the brew house is probably the largest investment that you're going to have, I mean, unless you're in a really expensive location. Uh, the brew house can be the most expensive investment. So, how much of an investment uh, is this in general? Is I mean, is it, uh, is it a third of the loan you're taking out? Is it half the loan? Is it three quarters of the loan? You know, how much of an investment?
1: Uh, a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it it kind of depends on what you. Define as the brew house in terms of how big well, that number gets. I, if you're I would talking say all your big shiny stainless for, and, all your stainless, and yeah. everything. All, and, everything that is um, used in the process of brewing a beer. Uh, well, it's, you know, it's very variable well based off your size as well as your as you're going new used. There there is a slight, slight discount for used right now. Not a big one. Um, but uh, we are, for everything in the process of making beer, we're pushing $200,000.
0: Oh, okay. I think. Uh, you know what? That's um, not as bad as I was thinking. I was thinking he was going to be at, the, at a minimum of the half half mil range. So that's not bad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the... Hopefully, I'm not. I haven't overlooked something that's going <laughs> to drive us up. I, I think I have most everything accounted for, um, at least the big pieces. Um, but uh, yeah, and and you know, I've the part of that is finding ways to do it a little bit cheaper. I, I easily could have spent that half million if I wanted to. Yeah, um, to do a 15 a barrel setup. Um, no, I,
0: I think that, she, I, yeah, it sounds like you really, I mean, I, I'm glad that, that you kept it under control and, and kept a reasonable amount. I know people would think 200000 lot. is a lot. It is a lot. But, again, when I look at what people are spending here in my area to, you know, to start up their systems, they're spending a half million or more in their systems and fermenters and everything. So I think you did pretty good at, you know you're you're at uh, you know at a third of what what they're spending so that's that's pretty good now. Have you done any general calculations of what you think you're going to have your return on investment like when you're going to be able to at what point will you be able to uh, you know pay off your brew system you know your that two hundred thousand you think it's going to be within a five year period you'll be able to have it paid off
1: or what what calculations have you done? Um, well, you know, the, the thing about all those calculations is they're all guesses, right? Um, and so, yeah, I think within the five year period, we, we could do that. Um, but you know, that's not the only cost that we need to be paying off and everything else. So, uh, there's a whole lot that, (laughs) that goes into that as well. Um, and you know the the guesses on just buying the equipment part and getting that all right you know then you have the other wrinkle of the guesses of what it's actually going to cost to operate
0: you know um
1: and that's a whole other wrinkle so yeah i i can't really give you know give a number that's Yes, I'm sure that I can get rid of it in this time or, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll feel great about it after this time, you know, because there's so, just so many unknowns mm-hmm. at this point that uh, I don't know. So I'm I'm super conservative on everything at, at this stage. So I'm just expecting it to take longer than it probably should. OK. Um, OK. No, just to put it bluntly. No No. <laughs> no problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm guessing it's probably between five and ten years is where I would guess. As long as you don't upgrade, if you, and it sounds like your plan is to use this system and use this system for a, a long time and not just you, you don't you aren't planning on being in the next Sierra Nevada. So as long as you have your, you know, your idea of what you want to be and serve your area and then get your beer out, you know, a little further here and there with your kegs and stuff and and then eventually bottle and can and get you know get your distribution out in more of Ohio and not you know maybe fo- focus at all on getting it outside of the state then you should be okay as long as you don't have grandiose you know plans of, of distributing big. Um, I think it'll be okay I think you can you can uh, maximize your profits by staying you know reasonably sized.
1: Yeah, and I, I, our upgrades are, are going to be fermenters, those are yeah. the things that we are going to be looking to add um you know down the road. So uh I'm I'm not sure that we could comfortably go to a larger brew house uh in our space um which we were we were looking at uh a 10 barrel and um brew house and kind of you know well okay would we want to go to a 15 at some point. I think that's, you know, what we could do without doing major, expensive renovations yeah. to accommodate something else, and in the end, we, you know, came across something that we thought we could make work with going to the 15 right away, and uh, hopefully that'll serve us for a long time. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be. A, I think it's a good investment. I think you're. You definitely have uh, enough growth with that 15. Uh, barrel system i mean you just buy more fermenters you just brew more beer and put more beer in fermenters and keep chugging along yep (laughs) all right well that's it anything else you wanted to add about this uh, topic john that i didn't uh, think about asking you i don't think so okay so so you're telling me three shows in a row i've asked all the pertinent questions and got all the pertinent information from you
1: uh, anything I'm willing to share. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, once
0: again, thank you, John, for opening up and sharing your experience and and what's going on with with your brewery because it's uh, it's enlightening for me and for our listeners. I'm sure they're very curious uh, on how things are done. All right. Now it's time for the Brew Buzz segment, which, of course, the Brew Buzz is devoted to discussing all kinds of various related beer topics, and this week. We are going to dive into the American barley wine style guidelines from the BJCP 2015. Right, 2015 is the latest one. Yep. Okay, 2015 uh, guidelines. And to start this off, this is part. American barley wines are part of the strong American ale category, and the category includes modern American strong ales with a varying balance of malt and hops. The category is defined mostly by alcohol strength and a lack of roast. And I thought that was pretty interesting, a lack of roast. So all these beers are not going to have a roastiness to it. They're going to have mostly going to have be defined by the alcohol content. So that was interesting. I, I hadn't, I hadn't uh, known that before I, I wrote this down. So, of course, the subcategory of this category, category is the american barley wine and we've always start off with the overall impression first so i'll start off with that and they say it's a well hopped american interpretation of the richest and strongest of the english l's so i you know that's the overall impression it's yeah hey go and and find a english l and then just amp it up american style make it bigger make it stronger
1: Okay. Well, yeah, take an English barley wine and make it American.
0: That's (laughs) all all it is, yeah. All right. The hop character should be evident throughout, but does not have to be unbalanced. And that was pretty evident with the aging of that 2010. There was definitely hop in there, but it wasn't uh, over, you know, it it was well balanced between the the malt and the hops. Kind of cool. And the alcohol strength and the hop bitterness often combine to leave a very long finish. That can be scary. Those long finishes can be uh, a little bit uh, scary at times. So we'll see how that works out with our tasting note of the 2017 Bigfoot a little bit later. All right. I'll also just talk about the aroma real quick. The aroma uh, has hop character that is moderate to assertive, and it often showcases either citrusy or fruity or resiny new world varieties of, of hops. And It says although other varieties such as floral, earthy, or spicy English varieties and a blend of varieties are also uh, you know can be used too. So, uh, yeah, nope, nope. Okay, <laughs> John says no, no. Only New World citrus fruity or resiny hops for us. We'll we'll stick with that.
1: Well, no, it's the American citrus fruity, piney things, <laughs> or New, New World. New worlds would provide some other. Oh, okay. Stuff, but those would be acceptable as well, currently. Oh, okay. okay. Until it's revised and you have Australian barley wine. Oh. You know, something like that.
0: Actually, you know what? I could really dig some Austral- Australian barley wine. <laughs>
1: I love Australian hops. <laughs> so that might be pretty good. That, that's what the New World stuff is. So that's oh. the New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, Aussie hops. Okay. So.
0: Okay. So uh, there's also going to be a rich maltiness in the aroma with a character that may be sweet, caramelly, ready or fairly neutral it's going to have low to moderately strong fruity esters and alcohol uh, aromatics uh, although it says that the intensity of the aromatics should subside with age so as the beer ages that will become less uh, apparent hops tend to be nearly equal to the malt in aroma with alcohol and esters f- far behind alright John so what about the appearance of these American body
1: wines yeah so uh we got a range for color uh from light amber to medium copper i may rarely be as dark as light brown um often as ruby highlights <laughs> um, which we, have, we like to mention ruby yeah. and orange highlights yeah you, yeah. you're the big orange highlight so, yeah yeah <laughs> um but i like mahogany with some ruby yeah I that that combo you know i like that too well. that is nice but uh anyway <laughs> we, we digress <laughs> Uh, moderately low to a uh, large off-white to tan light tan head um, may have low head retention uh, maybe cloudy with chill haze at cooler temperatures but generally clears to good to brilliant clarity as it warms uh, color may appear to have great depth if viewed through a Thick glass lens, <laughs> or as if you threw a thick glass lens. Excuse me. Yeah, you're not supposed to bring your own. Yeah, no, I was like... just to get the beer. <laughs> I'm like, oh,
0: I got my monocle out here. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, I guess I'm always looking at things through thick glass lens. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, high alcohol and viscosity may be visible in legs oh. when the beer is swirled in a glass. So. Okay,
0: well, look for that. Let's look for that in our beer. Okay. Yeah,
1: we'll see if it if it runs. <laughs> um, so the flavor. Uh, strong, rich malt flavor with a noticeable hop flavor and bitterness in the balance, uh, moderately low to moderately high, uh, multi sweetness on the palate. Such a range. Yeah. Um, although the finish may be somewhat sweet to quite dry, uh, depending on aging. So it's going to sweeten up as it ages. ages yeah. I think uh, so, probably yeah. just mostly due to bitterness dropping out. I would imagine. Um, but, uh, speaking of bitterness, uh, that may range from moderately strong to aggressive. Yeah. Now that that's a range I like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moderately strong, you know, you're already getting up there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, while strongly multi, the balance should always seem bitter, um, moderate to high hop flavor, uh, any variety, but often showing a, a range of New World hop characteristics. Uh, low to moderate fruity esters, uh, noticeable alcohol presence, as we mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, but it should be well integrated. Uh, shouldn't be like a you know paint thinner type. Oh yeah, thing. yeah. Um, the flavors will smooth out and decline over time, but any oxidized character should be muted um, and generally be masked by the hop character. Yeah, uh, may have some breadier, caramely malt flavors, but these should not be high. Roasted or burnt malt flavors are inappropriate. Yeah. So uh,
0: that, sounds, that sounds inappropriate.
1: <laughs> yeah. So all right, Denny, put it in my mouth. How's it feel? Oh,
0: okay. Well, you know what? It's gonna be a full body and chewy experience uh, <laughs> with a velvety, uh, luscious texture. Wow. This are we talking about beer right now? <laughs> this is a,
1: You sell me? Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, that's a pretty. Dis- descriptive uh, mouthfeel right there, full-bodied and chewy with a velvety, luscious texture. Uh, it does say, although the body may decline with long conditioning. Um, I will say that uh, that I believe that the body did kind of decline in that 2010. It wasn't thin at all, but it wasn't as heavy as, as I expect a barley wine. It was actually very pleasant and almost like a velvety... Uh, mouthfeel, So I kind of liked, as it aged, it really did take on some good mouthfeel characteristics. So I, I can appreciate that description, that first one, although it was kind of uh, sexy. Uh, I, wasn't expect, I wasn't expecting it as, as a sexy mouthfeel right there. All right, the alcohol warmth should be noticeably noticeable but smooth. Uh, and again, it should not be syrupy or under-attenuated. You don't want to have a flat or a, Oh well, yeah, well, uh, under attenuated would uh, give you that syrupy sweet, feel. yeah, sweet, syrupy, f- yeah, yeah, because the yeast didn't uh, didn't uh, attenuate enough of the sugars. All right, and of course, the carbonation may be low to moderate depending on the age and the conditioning. And I'll tell you what: after seven years, the 2010 wasn't lacking in carbonation. It wasn't too carbonated. wasn't not enough. It was just right. It was like a perfect beer. So, whatever they did to to condition that beer to be able to last seven years, it really did a good job,
1: I have to admit. Well, we'll, we'll see if the uh, 2017 comes across as over-carbonated I, for you. And Maybe it did lose it.
0: So, so you know we'll what? I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be over-carbonated for me because a lot of Sierra Nevada stuff is over-carbonated for me. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the difference. That's why I have the glass side-by-side side here. I'm going to be able to do tastings of the two versions so I can be able to pull that out right away. Okay, so now a little bit of history and I always like, you know, I'm always kind of undecided whether I'm going to add the history into the style notes or not. But I, I kind of like the history. And so uh, this one says it's usually the strongest ale offered by a brewery, often associated with the winter or holiday season and vintage dated. So I thought that was pretty appropriate for us to talk about because, like we've already mentioned, Bigfoot comes out every year and there's a vintage year and people like to do vertical tastings of it as it ages in their cellar. And so it's very appropriate to have these body wines put the, you know, the year that it was manuf- you know or uh, created so that you can do that type of uh, verticals. And of course it does come out during the winter seasons because it is a heavier beer and you're going to want something that's, you know, girthy when you're, Cold and uh, not in the midst of summer. So uh, I thought that was, you know, pretty, uh, you know, pretty good history there that I thought I would share. Um, As with many American craft beer styles, it's derived from English examples, but using American ingredients and featuring a much more forward hop profile. Okay. One of the first American craft beer versions was the Anchor Old Foghorn, first brewed in 1975, which I've had that beer. Uh, it's a pretty good barley wine. The second one was, or the next one they mentioned, is Sierra Nevada's Bigfoot. It was first brewed in 1983, and it set the standard for the hop-forward style of today. All right, it's good that we have this as our as our tasting note, because we're going to see what sets a standard for this American uh, hop-forward style. And, of course, the last thing that they mentioned here, the story goes that when Sierra Nevada first sent Bigfoot out to the lab for analysis, the lab called and said, quote, your barley wine is too bitter. And then to which Sierra Nevada replied, thank you. It's <laughs> great. I just thought that was a great little piece of uh, information, you know, to provide you guys because I thought that that's pretty funny, you know, that, uh, that, uh, that the lab says too bitter, but Sierra Nevada says it's not too bitter. Not for them. All right, John, let's go ahead and cover some of the characteristic ingredients that you'll find in these barley wines.
1: All right. So uh, for your ingredients, you're going to want a melt well-modified pale malt. Uh, it should form the backbone of the grist. Uh, some specialty or character malts may be used. Uh, dark malt should be used with great restraint, if at all, <laughs> and as most of the color arises from a lengthy boil. Ah, uh, so This would be one of those things that you'd probably take to 90 minutes, maybe even two hours. Okay. Um, uh, New World hops are common, although any varieties can be used in quantity. Uh, generally, uses an attenuative American ale yeast, and that that would be something another you know, thing that different between the English and American, or the English. You'll get some of those esters, uh, fruity esters, and things uh, from the yeast, and here uh, you don't want the yeast contributing anything yeah. but alcohol. Okay. So be nice and clean. Um. So style comparison, uh, which I was just doing by myself. Um, <laughs> the American version of the barley wine tends to have a greater emphasis on hop bitterness, flavor, and aroma than the English barley wine and often features American hop varieties. Uh, typically paler than the darker English barley wines and lacking in the deeper malt flavors, but darker than the golden English barley wines. Hmm. So right in the middle. Yeah. Um. Differs from a double IPA in, the, in that the hops are not extreme. The malt is more forward and the body is fuller and often richer. And an American barley wine typically has more residual sweetness uh, than a double IPA, which affects the overall drinkability, which they're saying it's sipping versus drinking. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So what are our vitals? Okay. The vitals in international bittering units
0: between 50 and 100. Wow, that's a wide range there.
1: 50 to 100. I'm kind of surprised anybody would be, be as low as 50. That seems low to me for this style.
0: Yeah, yeah, because you need, yeah. But
1: yeah. what do I know?
0: Well, maybe it's for those barley wines that have an alcohol by volume at 8%. That's the low of the scale, up to 12% what they recommend the style. So between 8 and 12% alcohol by volume. Uh, I agree with you, John. I think the American body wines are typically no lower than 70, probably 80 to 90 to 100 range is where I see most of the the bitterness for these things. Yeah.
1: I mean, if you had asked me to guess the floor, I, I probably would have been in the 70 to 80 range. Yeah. Um, I might have just said 75.
0: You know? <laughs> you're right, yeah, so, you're right in the middle. Yeah, there.
1: but, um, yeah, 50 just seems low. So, okay. I don't know. But uh, IBUs don't really mean anything. It's all about perception. So
0: True. Um, it, is, it is, yeah, it is by perception. It is, okay. All right, so some commercial examples. Uh, the first one I mentioned is the Avery Hog Heaven Barley Wine. I have not had that one. Have you had that one, John?
1: Uh, I believe so.
0: Okay, good. Uh, the next one is the Anchor Old Foghorn, which I have had. Have you had that one, John? Yes. Okay. And the next one after that is the Great Divide Old Ruffian. And I think I've had this beer, but I, because the Old Ruffian sounds familiar, but I, I can't say for sure. But have you had the Great Divide Old Ruffian?
1: Uh, That one I haven't logged, but I'm like you. I feel like I've had it. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: I'm pretty sure I've so. had it. Yeah. And then the next one we've both had is the Rogue Old Crustacean. You talked about it on the last show. In fact, I talked about my experience with it also on the last show. And the one that we're drinking tonight for our tasting segment is the Sierra Nevada Bigfoot, which is a commercial example. And the last one they mentioned is from Victory Brewing, Old Horizontal. And I have not had the Old Horizontal. How about
1: that one for you, John? No. So, I'm sitting at Four or six, or five or six, depending on the old rough. Yeah, everything else I've had.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've got. I'm the same thing. I've had. uh, If if you count the Great Divide, I've had four. If if you don't, then I've had three. So we're at the same level. So uh, that's good. So I'm I'm ready to uh, dive into our tasting after reading those great style guidelines uh, and after drinking that 2010 version. I'm ready to try the 2017 version. How about you, John? You ready to crack this bottle open and and do some tasting notes. Ooh, man, that sounded good. I'm gonna to try to get a good open here on mine too. I don't know if that came across. Oh
1: well, it did. Okay, it did.
0: good. All right, John, let's pour our beers into the glass. Oh yeah, it's, it's got, a got a nice, nice head.
1: It's a nice dead air there. <laughs> well, I was trying to, I was trying to fill it with
0: the pouring sound, so maybe the pouring sound came across, but maybe not. Wow, I got some serious head on my uh, on my beer here. Hey, you're liking a lot of head lately. Yeah, I like, so. yeah. Wow, and this is a nice coloring too. But let's go in and talk about this beer a little bit before we talk about the characteristics. So, again, we're drinking the Bigfoot 2017 Vintage. It's from Sierra Nevada which is out of Chico, California, originally, and they also have a brewery in Mills River, North Carolina. The style is the American Barley Wine, and it's 9.6% alcohol. So it's kind of at the lower end, actually, right in the middle of the low end. Right in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. And the IBUs, though, is up at the high end at the 90 IBU, So it's got a little bit of bitterness in here. I'm looking forward to that bitterness. And the container size is you can get it on draft if you're lucky enough to— they get it on a draft, and also in twelve ounce bottles. Now they used to sell this thing in uh, twenty two ounce bottles. Do You think they still do twenty two ounce bottles of this beer, or they just
1: do twelve ounce now? Um, I don't know. Would they do it in the twenty two or in their like twenty five or twenty four? Yeah, that they, yeah. Those, those The ones one. that they put out. Yeah, the big ones. I think they had the big ones. The twenty five. Might have been twenty five. Maybe they're twenty. I, I don't know. I I know I had the barrel aged. That that barrel aged uh, Bigfoot was in that size bottle. I okay. don't recall if they have the standard Bigfoot or and you might or, you might be right. It,
0: I may be thinking of the barrel aged that was in the big bottle. You might be right. So, but they do that. That and that's a good point, John. That they do have versions of this beer that comes in different barrel age. They had, I think, this year or last year, they had like a rum barrel aged version, and they had uh, you know different different uh, barrel aging. Um, if you're lucky enough to, to grab a sample of that, it uh, might be fun to, to try. Uh, but we just got the regular one, so that's what we're tasting now. All right. So, John, let's go ahead and describe the color of our
1: beer. Say it's a nice deep copper. I,
0: I Yeah, it is a deep copper. I was going to say it's deep, deep copper or deep amber. Um, I would even almost say orange. <laughs> Because <laughs> you like the orange, and I mean orange, it, it does have a little bit of an through. orange yeah. hue to it.
1: Um, but yeah, if I I would I would write down deep copper if deep. I was judging this okay. in a competition. Okay. I'm so. going to
0: say I'm going to say orange because I'm going to be the orange guy today. I'm going to say it's very clear. <laughs> I, I, yes, I mean I like the, I, I like agree. the clarity. It's very clear. Um, I don't see I, I I don't see any bubbles coming up though, so I'm gonna guess this it, it doesn't appear to be too carbonated. I've got bubbles. You got bubbles? So, okay. I yep. I am drinking mine out of a snifter glass, so maybe the snifter glass isn't showing
1: the bubbles like your glass is. All right. Yeah, unfortunately, I have a shaker pint, uh, oh, which I realized man. as I was pouring it, I should have gone and just grabbed a wine glass to do yeah, this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Come on, man. You gotta. Su-
1: I didn't think ahead.
0: Okay. No problem. All right. So. The head, now, um, I'll talk about the head first. I poured this thing, and I poured the beer up to the six or eight ounce. uh, I have this glass that has uh, gradients on it. So I poured up to the eight ounce, and then I literally had two more ounces that was head, uh, two-finger head. Uh, Nice, off-white, almost tan-colored head, uh, coarse and fine bubbles, and it, it stayed up there for... A couple minutes and now it's died down to um you know a half finger or less it's kind of just like just you know kind of hovering over the top of the of the beer right there and, and it's got it does have a little bit of clinging to the glass i do have a little bit of of uh, head clinging um i don't know if i'd say leg so i'm kind of moving mine back and forth um, it does stick to
1: the side, but I don't see legs coming down. It might be my dirt. Oh, well, that, that you'd see from the, the beer itself, not the head. Um, the legs, you would. Well, I'm, so. well,
0: I know, but I mean,
1: I'm, yeah, you're right. Okay.
0: So I'll drink some and then we'll see what happens. All right. Yeah. So, how about you? you? You agree with my description?
1: Uh, yeah. I have really good lacing all around. Uh, I had about an inch head. Um, and, uh, it's now, um, Maybe a quarter inch yeah. sitting above the above the beer. Okay.
0: So. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right. Let's take a sniff. Let's see what we smell in this awesome beer. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Can you smell anything out of your shaker glass?
1: Um, yeah, I'm getting a bit of a hot character there. Um, it's a little muted. But yeah. That's what I'd expect. I don't know if I'm clogged or... Um, but definitely getting... What I think is a, a hint of pine um, coming through.
0: Okay, I'm I'm getting some hop character too, and I don't know. I'm I'm getting I'm picking up on some some sweetness in there. So I think the the sweetness, maybe the alcohol in the in the aroma, is uh, clouding my judgment on the other flavors because it's kind of messing up my nose. But yeah, I, I don't have much description on this on this uh, aroma, so I better I better dive right into into some taste. So let's go ahead and take a sip and, and see what we f- taste. Yeah,
1: you gotta you gotta make up for that lackluster mm-hmm.
0: aroma description. Wow, this is uh, definitely hop forward. <laughs> it, uh, it's it's uh, right away I can taste the difference between this one and the and the older vintage
1: yeah I was gonna say i uh i'm gonna guess that there's not a lot of overlap um based <laughs> off your d- previous description um, <laughs> yeah to this, but there is a let me take another sip, but I mean I'm getting just a ton of hop flavor coming through um a lot of pine little yeah uh pine resin type yeah uh, resin
0: through I agree resin and pine is what I get, and that's just pretty much over it's definitely overtaking my taste buds. but yeah it's it's resiny uh, and piney and
1: uh yeah there there is a a slight sweetness um uh, almost caramel kind of character lightly in the background um but uh there's not a lot of malt character coming through um it's it's very hop forward so yeah
0: yeah there's uh yeah it's it's hop forward for sure it definitely takes over the taste but i um it's it's well it's good though I will say it's good it's um but if I were to rate this right now on what I like better the two thousand seventeen versus two thousand and ten, the ten has it hands down, so I think age definitely helps amp up the the scoring i think if you were to rate these beers from fresh to you know each year goes by it gets better as it ages for sure but it's good it's it's i'm enjoying it so far all right i guess our next uh, stage of our tasting is the body i know we're it's it's kind of hard to take to judge this one because or, or to comment on it because it's the it's so much hop for is all I taste is the is the hops, but with a little bit of that sweetness. But I think I'm of the sweetness is kind of coming in and, in the finish. I I taste the sweetness more, but uh, body wise, uh, low carbonation. Uh, I I feel it's pretty low carbonation for me, very similar to maybe what the the older one is. So I don't think uh, the beer lost carbonation over time.
1: Mm. You, do you, I, you, I disagree that it's low. Well, I mean, I, I would I would peg it at medium carbonation.
0: Okay, maybe um, I would maybe I misspoke as saying low. Maybe medium was the most uh, accurate one. I'm saying it wasn't
1: as high as I would expect
0: it to be. It was lower than expected. That's what I should have said.
1: Um, but I'd put this at a medium full uh, body. Um, it's it's definitely got some heft, and that that's probably um, has a contribution to just this hop film that just yeah. cut your tongue um you know but uh I, i'd say medium full body with a medium carbonation on it um you know you don't uh not get any kind of a astringency or anything in there but there is definitely a bit of an alcohol warming to it mm-hmm. so
0: i will agree with the alcohol warming
1: yeah, I'll agree with the the medium,
0: full full body, uh, definitely leaves a, a, some uh, re- residual stuff in your mouth, ma- you know, uh, coating your mouth. Or, your, uh, so I, I agree with that. And I'll say, yeah, medium carbonation. It's it's just I was expecting to have more carbonation, although I don't know why, because I don't have any bubbles coming up. So I shouldn't have really expected too much in there. All right. I guess it's time to move into the finish, and I am, uh, I don't, I'm having trouble. There is some sweetness to it, not overly sweet, and I don't know if it's, I mean, right off the bat, I taste, you know, the hops, and then it goes into the mid, and I I start to get a little bit of the sweetness, and it kind of finishes off with a little bit of that sweetness with the bitter, uh, finish. Um... Not overly sweet, but it had a little bit of of, uh, sweetness in there.
1: Yeah, I think I'd put this as like a semi-dry finish right now, and I Mm -hmm. think that that's being propped up by the hops. I think I could see as the hop character starts to fade that this would kind of shift over into the semi-sweet category there for the finish. Yeah. Uh, There definitely is a bit of a sweetness there. You're right. Yeah. but the hops and everything are still taking the stage and it doesn't, uh, that sweetness doesn't linger in any way. There's no, no cloying, uh, character. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I'd, I'd put this at a semi dry, but it definitely that it definitely coats your tongue, um, with that hop character and bitterness and everything. So, um, it, and I think that, you know, that sipper versus, uh, drinker, drinker. Or, um, <laughs> is, uh, definitely appropriate in that regard. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. I've, um, I've got four ounces left from this bottle. So I've already drank, uh, so <laughs> there's some carbonation there. I just burped up. I already drank uh, eight ounces of this thing. It's good. Um, it, it definitely has uh, hops from beginning to finish, a little bit of sweetness in there, uh, but finishes dry. I, I agree with your semi dry, a uh, little bit of booziness, but not aggressive boozy, not uh, sickening, not uh, cloying in the sweetness. I mean, no negative, actually, there's no negative uh, qualities, really. I think it's, uh, yeah. I think it's pretty good. Overall, I think it's a it's a pretty good beer. How about, um, would you give this 2017 right now to someone that was just getting started in craft beer? Would you go and hand this to them and say, here, try this, you'll love it?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> no way. You're, you're, hard. No. you're a hard, hard man. <laughs> Absolutely. No way. <laughs> um, no, no, I wouldn't. Um, yeah, it's just way too aggressive, uh, hop wise. Yeah, um, and you know, I think the the bitterness is what scares a lot of people away, and I think this would do the trick mm-hmm. in that regard. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, I agree. I agree. It's uh, it's way too much for a a, a young palate to uh, consume and not be driven away. So, I would not give it to a, a new person. Um, I think even, I think with the, the aged version, I would give them uh, a small little taster of it just to say, hey, here, try this to, be, to prepare them for what barley wines can be when they're aged and, and mellowed out a little bit. I think they could enjoy that. It's a lot mellower, but that would even be too aggressive for them, I think. So maybe no barley wines for anyone new. Uh, uh, I think it's just a little bit too too much beer for someone that's not prepared for it, for sure. All right, John. So, recommending glassware for barley wines. Um, what do I you don't recommend? To
1: say straight from the bottle.
0: Straight from the bottle, mask yeah. mask all that flavor. Just suck it down. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, then give it to a newbie. Be fine. <laughs> um, no, I uh, snifter um, glass. I think would be probably the best. I, I think you're right overall.
0: Yeah, I think that's the the best glass. That's What I'm drinking it out of. I typically drink my barley wines out of snifters because I like to. I like I like the globe and I like the uh, the the tapered uh, opening to kind of trap some of those flavors in there.
1: Well, plus a snifter says sipper to me. That's true. Yeah, that's just kind of something you can just hang on to and just you know do that for a little while. So
0: okay, good point good point alright so how about let's try to rate this beer in our rating systems and again just to refresh our new rating system we start off at the very low end at that we call it this beer would be skippable you should just you know don't you know skip it it's uh, try it if you want but if you're not really you're not really missing anything if you if you uh, don't try it next one up from there is drinkable this is for when you need something to throw down a few or if you just want something that's in your fridge to drink throughout the week, you know, you buy a six pack of it and you just t- have one a night or whatever. It's something you can just drink through the week. And then it's worthy. This is a, a beer that you need to make it an effort to try. And then, of course, the highest rating in our system is exceptional. Put it on your bucket list. So, John, I'm going to say, gosh, this is tough. This is tough because you can go either way with this. I think aging these beers is definitely a worthy effort. But I don't know if I would say drinking them fresh is a worthy beer. It's a good beer. I I mean I'm enjoying the beer. Um, so again we kind of ran into something that I would rate between the worthy and drinkable. It's got to be we got to have something in between the two. Um, we got a flawed system.
1: I I would put this in the worthy category. Oh, really. For, for, even, for even all fresh,
0: fresh and uh, okay. I'll, you know what? I will agree with you then. I will also put in the worthy because it's definitely a good beer. It's definitely a beer that we know ages well. Um, and even fresh, it's still very drinkable. I mean, this is not as bad as the old crustacean. I'll tell you what, you drink the old crustacean fresh, it's going to be a lot harsher than this is for sure, 100%. So I, I, you're right. I think it is. We should probably put in the worthy. Um, it's definitely worth drinking every year it comes out. You should try the new vintage every year. So in that case, if we, if I were to recommend that, I'd have to say it's a worthy beer if if you should drink it every uh, vintage release. All yeah, right. pick
1: up a four-pack and build up a vertical that you do every year of the latest four.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, you know, I was talking to Tom, and he... You know he's got his oldest one is 2010, and he's got all the ones from then on, and he just goes and and drinks them every year, and 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 sees how they improve, and that's like a, a kind of a good system. I, you know, I I'm trying to get rid of my cellar, trying to weed it out, and try to drink the stuff, you know, buy it and drink it, and not just save it because I I find that I can save it forever, and I need to drink it eventually. I don't want to just be saving beers, so I'm trying to to weed away from my cellar, but these Body wines are definitely cellar worthy, and that's what I had the most in my cellar. I think I had 14 body wines in my cellar. <laughs> I mean, of of the 30, 30 or 40 beers I had in my cellar, 14 of them were body wines. So that should say something, <laughs> that I like to age my body
1: wines. Yeah, see, my, mine are mostly, uh, I think, Imperial Stouts. Stouts or yeah. other dark ales, you know.
0: I I, I have a few right now that I, that I have a cavit cavit what is it Kavit, uh the stout from Fort George Cav to stout okay cavit uh. something I have a a two thousand fifteen yeah. version still in my cellar that I'm waiting to drink I just and I, and that one's great fresh I don't know why I'm saving it you know I just just drink the damn thing but I'm waiting for someone to come and drink it with me because I hate Opening a twenty-two ounce bottle of a big beer like that, and and feeling like I have to drink it all by my, by myself, I need more. Okay. F- I need more friends. <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll come over. Okay, how Saturday son.
0: Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> I can just bust open my cellar, and the, if I if I drink the stuff that I haven't that I'm saving, you will not be able to drive the next day. I'll just tell you that. I have a lot of big beers that I'm waiting to share with my friends. So challenge accepted. Okay. All right, I've got I've got like old vintages of Dissident. I've got uh, Jubal. I've got I got a lot of old stuff that's big. Everything is big beer is like fourteen percent and higher. So be prepared. We're gonna suck down some beers. All right. Okay. Well, before we get on too big of a rant here, uh, they do tell us how this beer is made in general terms. The malts used are two Ropel and caramel. And the hops are Cascade, Centennial, and Chinook. So, again, it makes sense that we see a lot of that pininess in in those uh, uh, hops. Um, Some food pairings. They say bread pudding goes well with this. Mission figs. metajoule dates. And if you want to eat some cheese with this beer, some pungent blue cheese. What do you think about that pungent
1: blue cheese? Do you think that's too much richness for this beer? Um, not fresh. Fresh that, that might. Although uh, blue cheese, the tartness that could kind of. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of torn on whether that would be better to cut sweetness or cut bitterness. I I don't know that. I've... So so to me,
0: uh, blue cheese comes off really dry, right? It's got a really dry, um, dry flavor to it, and. I don't know. This isn't sweet enough to counteract that dryness, so it's like dry on dry. It's like a a double drying. It seems like it'd be too much richness for the drying aspect, but I don't know. Maybe I get to try it. I've been surprised before with pairing uh, cheeses with uh, beers and ciders and stuff, so I I might enjoy it. Alright, John, so We've come to the end of this tasting, and now let me go ahead and take another sip of my 2010 in my little snifter glass, and let me see if I can yeah. taste the
1: difference <laughs> in the two the two beers. Well, you might just not be able to taste anything after the, the hop of the uh, new one, but I'm I'm curious what the difference is.
0: It's inc- it is completely like 180 different. I, I will tell you this: when I drank this whole beer earlier in the show. I didn't get as much of a warming um, character to it from the alcohol, but now that I'm drinking it after the the hot bomb here, uh, the bitter bomb, which is not that bitter, it's not, it could be a lot worse. Um, I'm getting a lot more of that alcohol warming um, flavor out of the beer. It's it's night and day. I'm I'm not. I'm telling you, the two beers are complete opposites. Uh, the hop character in the two thousand and ten is very subdued. It's definitely got more of the malts coming out with the. And now I'm wondering if some of the, uh, if some of the dried fruit, maybe it might be some oxidation, maybe from some sherry notes in there. I know you're not supposed to get sherry, but I'm wondering if maybe some of that's coming in. But it's not, it's not. I mean, it's not obvious. But you know, I'm getting kind of a dried fruit flavor, and I'm and I I, I kind of hinted towards apricots why apricots because that's like one of my favorite dried fruits i love apricots so you know i'm enjoying this beer maybe i'm enjoying it
1: because i'm thinking of apricots too i don't know Hmm. wow that's nice i'm curious where the break point is for that uh big hop character in this beer um you know at what year I think, um, so. I think from what I've heard from other people,
0: I think it's right around the four to five-year mark is where it, it really um, tapers off, where the crossover point is, where it goes from really hoppy to the hops are still there, but the, it, it mellows out and, and balances well with the other characters. So I think I think four years, five years is like the perfect aging, but that's a long time, right? Who wants to save beers for that long? Um I, you know, taking a seven-year one, I definitely think that the hops are definitely mellowed out. The bitterness is still there, but a lot of that upfront hoppiness is gone, which is, which makes for a totally different experience. Oh, very nice. All right, John. You know what? That's enough of us talking about this beer. I hope everyone had a chance to taste along with us and enjoy this beer as much as John and I did. But uh, now it's time... Uh, I told everyone at the beginning of the show we're going to have an hour and a half show, and I lied. Uh, Because once we start talking beer, we just can't stop. So we're going to drag a little bit longer than normal. But never fear. The time has come where we close out the show. But, John, before we say goodbye to our friends, um, let me give you a chance to raise a glass to someone you want to raise a glass to.
1: Yeah, speaking of saying goodbye to friends— um, I am going to raise my glass to my Seattle beer crew, essentially. Um, you know, folks that, uh, we've done a bunch of festivals with, tasting events, bottle shares, that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, Pete, Amanda, Rob, Brian, Jeremy, Zach, and probably some others that I've forgotten in, uh, my current state of drinking and drinking at the time, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been awesome being out here. And I'm going to miss all these folks and all the beers that we get to drink all the time. But uh, yeah, off to the next adventure. So yeah,
0: yeah, I'll raise a glass to that. Raise a glass to all the friends that I drank with you that you're now leaving that I can still go and visit with. So aren't I lucky? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Like, oh, we still have to deal with this creepy old guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought once John left, we were done with this guy. Now he's still coming around. He doesn't get a hint.
0: <laughs> All right. No problem. No problem. Well, uh, I also want to raise my glass uh, to friends that uh, that I'm not leaving and uh, friends that I just made. So, Tom, uh, I raise my glass to you again. Thank you for coming out and drinking with me and and making two and a half hours fly by like 15 minutes and uh, for providing me with that 2010 barley wine and the kbs and uh, i hope we can do many more outings together um remember black friday is a great event let's you know come to black friday with with me and my friends we have a great time i know that's a few months away but i'm just you know write in your calendar now so it's already written in there also, guess what? Our buddy Jason Lacey, he and his wife, his wife, they just had a baby boy. Last like, like right after we recorded, they they had uh, a baby boy. So I just want to toast Jason and Jessica, and uh, and their son Aiden. Uh, the the kid's got some big hair. Uh, yeah, he does. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> holy smokes! I, I'm looking at my grandson, and my grandson's. Has the hair that that my son and daughter have, which was like bald, and I see some of these kids come out with these big heads of hair. I'm like, damn, I must be doing something yeah. wrong.
1: <laughs> my, my boys, you couldn't tell they had any hair until they were almost one year old, you yeah. know. But uh, yeah, cheers you too, and uh, you know, Jason. I know it's like three a.m. right now, but uh, you'll make it. Yeah, you'll make it, buddy. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> he's taking a
0: couple weeks off of his his uh, podcast, um, but it's okay uh Lucas is holding down the fort with some guest hosts and uh I am sure Jason will be back shortly after they get the every their whole household into a, a routine. I know it takes a couple of weeks to get that that going, but hey, I'm glad that you finally the I know that that baby was, you know, taking his time coming out and you guys were waiting for the the time. I'm glad it finally came and I'm glad he, he's healthy and you guys are all doing well. So we'll we'll, we'll drink a beer to that. And of course, Last toast I want to give out is to Kevin and Amanda. Uh, again, I mentioned they were going to send me beer. They did send me beer. They sent me that uh, uh, Southern Tier Thick Mint. I also sent me some beers from CB uh, Brewers. Uh, that is a, a, a brewery out of uh, Rochester or somewhere close to Rochester, New York. I think it's. I can't remember the name. Honey o or uh, it's where Kevin grew up from, and I and I can't remember. The name. I'm bad with names, but uh, I'm enjoying the beers and just thank you for thinking of me and sending those my way and have fun in Vegas. It sounds like you guys are having a lot of fun in in Vegas, so that's great. And of course, uh, you know, being a former serviceman, I just want to raise my glass and I want to thank all of those servicemen and women out there who are protecting our freedoms in the U.S. military. I want you guys to come home safely to your families very soon. And you can find the beers that we mentioned on the show in our show notes located on the show post at openforumradio.com. And if you would like to follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Loose Screw. And John, how can our listeners follow you?
1: Twitter at Prime Brewing, Untapped Prime WA. And uh, you can follow the brewery, Trek Brewing, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Trek Brewing, or visit the website trekbeer.com and since we're going to be back in Ohio you can expect a lot more like real photos of things that are happening (laughs) because it's a little hard to take a picture from 2500 miles away I don't know the technology is just not really there yet okay
0: okay well good I'm glad you mentioned that because I've been dying to see the progress so I want to see progress photos of all the action going on so when you get there I expect daily updates Okay. Daily.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. At least more often than you update your blog. All right. That I can commit to. That I can commit to. That, that's like a, a super low bar. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, hey, it is last call. It is time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening to the show. We ask you to please tell a friend about our show and subscribe on all the different things you can subscribe on. I'm not going to mention them. And of course, just a reminder that we release a new episode every 2 weeks, so don't don't be disappointed if you don't see us the week after this is released because we got one more week to go. All right. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers.